What is up, guys? Episode one, Beyond the Party podcast. Uh, we're happy to get started. You know, we've been doing a lot of preparation the past few weeks. Uh, here with us, we have DJ Jason Weiss as our first guest. How you doing, Jason? Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. You know, we're really happy to have you on. Uh, you know, you got a lot of shit going on everywhere. You know. Tally, how you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Um, yeah, so I mean, let's just like dive into it. Um, kind of just wanted to start off of where you started, Jason. What was your life of, like before DJing? Where'd you grow up at? Um, so I grew up in North Jersey. Okay. Um, pretty small town. I graduated with the 102 kids in my class. And the only reason I say that is because I went to Penn State for college and my first class was um, four times, five times the amount of. Uh, kids in my in my whole high school right i had like 700 800 kids in my in my first class in college i remember sitting next to i talked about this somewhere else i remember sitting next to a friend from high school being like what the fuck did we do here? like <laughs> but it was cool because you got to kind of like get out of the small town and penn state is a very small kind of um city but obviously big for for the area like so it was cool so i kind of got to like redevelop and re kind of like image myself there you know small high school then giant giant school mm-hmm. um and that's kind of where i started djing i joined a fraternity and everybody gets a job when they start when they're pledging and mine was to play music and i was really really bad at it <laughs> really really bad at it and uh but i kind of that's kind of where i started and so I, I went from there and then i did that all through college and i kind of sneaky started an entertainment company then like i was djing thursday and friday and on saturday i was renting my equipment out to other people and just taking some money off of it and kind of going from there so I could go out and have a good time. But um, that's kind of where it all started. And I moved to Philly and never thought I could be a DJ. Um, went out one night, probably had a few too many drinks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, was with my buddy from college that I had DJed with. And, and we went to go to a place called Mission Grill. And it's a little it's a little spot on 19th and Cherry. And uh <laughs> Got very drunk and said, I think we can do this better than this guy. <laughs> Went home and bought a bunch of equipment and practiced for a few months. And then one night, that kid actually had to call out sick. And the guest bartender was a friend of mine. And he was like, why don't we bring Weiss in here? And, and that's my first residency, we'll call it. Um, and it was really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great from like a venue standpoint. It was great from like a staff standpoint. It was great. But like the DJing was really really right yeah yeah i feel like that's typical like out of college too i mean yeah when i first did brew i remember you hit me up and you're like dude yeah yeah, i gotta teach you how to beat match (laughs) i was like yeah you're right yeah Yeah. listen because you know in college you're basically just like kind of like an aux court you're just going from song to song i feel like you know just trying different shit out kind of winging it and then i also wasn't on serato in college like i'm old i'm a dinosaur so like i was on i started kind of backwards i started on cds i went to vinyl then i went back to digital now, and yeah. now, obviously, if I have the choice, it's going to be digital. But um, it, yeah, it's. Uh, I used to burn CDs and make those stupid fucking lists. The songs when the CDs would scratch and things like that in college. So there's yeah, so was, much more work. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, I, I actually wanted to talk about that, like the technology kind of like advancing so much. Like, sure, it's probably just like so different, and now it's so much easier for somebody to kind of just start DJing you know you buy a board and kind of just we don't have enough time to talk about that. <laughs> yeah yeah yes it's 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 easier but it's it's more obvious right I guess I could say like the technology has definitely definitely gotten better um the crowd has shifted a little bit because of the technology like 
you know, when you were bringing CDs or bringing records, uh, that was all you could play. You didn't have a phone connection or you didn't yeah. have every song in the world on your phone, you know? And when someone would make a request, they would request like, hey, can you play Drake? Not, can you play Drake, this song, this remix, at this mm-hmm. tempo? It's like, holy shit, like, that was very specific. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it used to just be, can, I like hip-hop, can you play hip-hop? Sure, now it's, can you play high dollar sign, this edit, you know, like, and it's crazy. Um, yep. But it also exposed a lot of people, you know, like, if your equipment goes down, or if a younger DJ's equipment goes down, I can still DJ. If, the, if I have the right things in front of me, right. you know, like a lot of times if that computer goes down, that's it, you know? Yeah, you're fucked. Um, yep. But that's just, listen, the biggest, the hardest part of our job is fixing all the equipment issues. Yeah. So- yeah. That's like my, like when I'm de- actually DJing, I feel good. I mean, I'm vibing. Sure. But the one thing like, I'm always thinking about, I'm like, I just hope there's not like no issues in the beginning. Like, like that's like, oh yeah, there is. There's, a, there's it's always, always something. Yeah, it's always something. But like once you get past that, then you know it's good for the rest of the night. Usually, yeah. it gets trickier when you start switching over. Like take my bankroll gigs on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like I play from ten to eleven thirty, and eleven thirty another guy goes on. How do you like bankroll? Um, I like it. I think it's I think it's more my kind of place. You know, it's a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit more uh, older. It's a little bit more. Uh, classy maybe is the right word. Maybe not. It's not. It's not. Philadelphia has a really bad rap for nightlife in general, and we can kind of get into that if you want to mm-hmm. too. But sure. Yeah. This place um, has a good amount of money behind it, which is important because a lot of times people have a concept that they want to stick with, but can't because the numbers aren't there. So when you have a little bit of a cushion to kind of develop your brand and not push that panic button. It becomes great. I, I like bankroll because I get to play different music. I like bankroll because I'm bringing in DJs that I love from around the country to, to work with and friends yeah. of mine from around the country. Um, I like bankroll because they're pretty comfortable with who they are. Um, and when there's problems, which there always is with a new venue, um, they're addressing them, which is mm-hmm. nice and kind of new for me. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, speakers break and things break. And, and listen, everybody's got budgets and everyone needs to make as much money as they can. But it's nice when I said, hey, listen, the first night, the sound wasn't right. It didn't sound good. It wasn't there. It, it, and we had a meeting on Monday about fixing it. So that, to me, is is the biggest value that a venue can add for me. So I like it. I'm there every Saturday until the summer starts. I and then I kind of sh- have to <laughs> shift down the shore. But um. Yeah, I'll be there this Saturday with uh, Fox Beats from New York, who's a very, very talented DJ and a very, very mm-hmm. good friend. Um, but it's cool because you don't hear the same music you hear everywhere else. Like, it's nice for me. Like, I used to play at STK in Las Vegas. And why I love that place. Even It's a steakhouse. It's a restaurant, straight up. But why I love that gig is because I could do different stuff. You know, I didn't have to play Peppa's every time <laughs> right. I was in there. I yeah, didn't have yeah. to play I Just Want to Rock. You know, like, I was <laughs> able to play, like, Stevie Wonder and Hall & Oates and... and you know, some more, again, dinosaur, uh, but like, it's nice to not feel like a robot. You know, like when you're DJing in a nightclub or you're DJing at a bar, there's certain things you got to hit. It just makes yeah, sense, yeah. you know? At this place, I don't hit any of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 refreshing for me. It, it makes me use my brain. It makes me feel like I'm doing something, you know? I feel like, like people like that, though. Like, when I come and see you, that's why I like seeing you on there, because you're always playing, like, different uh, stuff, like, old school yeah. stuff, and I'm like, I mean, listen, go. Mike Mike is, uh, besides being my best friend in the world, uh, a super talented DJ, and uh, 
the first guy I ever added to the company was Mike Lowry. Oh, really? I didn't know uh-huh. that. Oh. Um, yeah, so. You guys just become best friends. Uh, a long, long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did. We, and we started getting more room for activities at different venues, so it was great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's where we kind of shine or whatever is looking up, seeing what's in front of us, and kind of knowing what we can get away with. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to push it too, too far, but uh, especially in a place, you know, like the places that we've worked at together, that's a very traditional, those are very traditional nightlife spaces, you know, like... Mm-hmm. If they don't like what you're doing, they're going to leave. Bankroll, there's no coming in that I'm not going to do any of that stuff. So it's I'm not getting, like, badgered all night. Mm-hmm. Or, actually, no one really asked me for anything in there, which is really, really weird. That's the best. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. really weird. I, like, And I'm very much in their face there, too. It's not like they can't get to me. Right, yeah. Percent, like, just like, you know, people can't get to you. But, um, no, it's cool. It's just, it, it's a really, really sexy space. The food is incredible. Um. And Zach, who is my my business partner, he's that's basically my brother. Uh, you know, is head of, of marketing and, and hospitality there. So it's nice to have him back here. Um, we've done everything in Atlantic City that there is to do. I feel like, and now yeah. it's nice to have him back here. You know, so yeah, I I did want to talk about Atlantic City a little bit. Sure. So I know twenty twenty one, you won Atlantic City's like best DJ, right? I did. Yeah, I did. that's I didn't awesome. Even know I was nominated. Oh really? No, I was at a gig. <laughs> I was at a gig, and uh, Dylan, who's now at Vesper, okay, uh, was a VIP host at Dare at the time, and he's like, "You won," and I was like, "That's cool. What did I win?" <laughs> he's That's like, awesome. He's like, you won an award at, at the AC Nightlife Awards. I was like, "I didn't know that was tonight," <laughs> and I didn't know I was not. What did I win? And I, I, what was cool about that was there was two different uh, DJ awards. There was the People's Vote, and then there was the Critics' Choice. And I don't know who the critics are, but I won the Critics' Choice one. Ah. So I didn't win. The one where like everybody gets their friends online to vote it was really really dope and uh yeah and then two seconds later COVID hit really capitalized on literally I won that award in February of 2021 and or February of 2020 2021 when did COVID hit 2021 20, think 2020 2020 then I won like that March. in February of 2020 for 2021 right right yeah. And literally, thirty days later, the world shut down. So, jeez. So, where where'd you start in AC? Um, my first gig in Atlantic City was at Kiss Kiss. Kiss Kiss. I'm actually um, there uh, tomorrow night. So, so come out. When Kiss Kiss um first switched over from Ivan Kane, uh, Zach and Mark Meekum, who's now the owner operator now, um, Mark went to Zach and said, "Hey, like we're gonna take this from Ivan and we need." A guy, so Mike Lowry and I were actually the first. Um, Mike had been established in AC already. I'd never really kind of made my way down to Atlantic City. Um, mm-hmm. So we did Kiss Kiss, and, and we had that account for a really long time. Frank Frank now handles it, um, which is great. It kind of feels like it's still in the family. You right, know? yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I started a Kiss Kiss, and then Dare opened up a little while later, um, and I wound up doing the Hard Rock as a building. Like, we did the soft opening, mm-hmm. we did the lobby bars, we did the lounges, we did the um, we did the beach bar. Right, yeah. And then Dare finally opened, and, and Zach was over there as, as a director of marketing and whatnot. And I was there as support for most of the time. And then, you know, as that grows, you kind of get your headlining gigs here and there. And then mm-hmm. I became resident, and then that's where that award came from. But I started at, at Kiss Kiss. Wow. So, so my parents don't drink, um, but my dad has always been big in the casino world. So... Mm-hmm. Um, that first casino gig, 
actually I played in Las Vegas before I played oh, in shit. Atlantic wow. City. As weird as that sounds. Um, but that first casino gig in Atlantic City was really cool for me. Um, and then like having my father sit in his hotel room and my face be on the TV, you know, or like uh, the side of the building at Ocean or things like that. Like that was uh, the coolest Atlantic City moment for me. And now I'm gonna now I'm gonna sound like an old old dad. <laughs> um, we lived in Atlantic City for a summer. My youngest daughter was just one, which means Maddie was about three. And I was having a day with just me and Maddie, which we used to do a lot. Um, and I was wheeling her around the Hard Rock, and she jumps out of her stroller. And she's like, Daddy, it's you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm right here. Like, she's moving around. She's like, no, Dad, Daddy, it's you. And I was like, yeah. Matt's like, get it. Like, she ran over to one of the digital signs, and it was my face. We're not going to talk about the tears. I can't. It was allergies. If anyone asked, <laughs> there was a dust or whatever yeah. in the Hard Rock. But, like, that... That moment, that moment was cooler for me than any nightclub I've ever, I, I've I ever bet. stepped foot in. So. Yeah, that's actually a great segue. I did want to talk about like family life. Obviously, you know, sure. you're very, very family oriented, like with your daughters, yeah. and like everybody sees it, oh. and it's a, you know, it's awesome. It's oh, awesome. You. Yeah, you seem like a great dad, and you really care. And they make it pretty easy. I have a very, very, very supportive wife. Um, I travel a lot, and I run around a lot, yeah. and I'm gone a lot on the weekends, so. I have a super supportive wife and a super supportive, uh, you know, friend system. And, and uh, we don't really have big families, either mm-hmm. of us. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the girls make it super easy. Um, they're just super fun. Maddie is too smart for her own good and a huge heart. And Ellie is my little shy one, but, like, real sassy one. So, like, <laughs> it's cool. I, you see, like, both of me and and my wife in them and, and we hope they take more of her than of me uh <laughs> just for safety reasons and whatnot but uh yeah it's uh they're great I love man. how much they look up to you oh. like it's so funny yeah. every time you see them i get so excited when you look them Especially i brought them down as a family too i brought them down so to cool. the city on sunday for the brew fest yeah i saw yeah. dancing with the german dancers and she's a, she's a natural star she got very upset at the chestnut street fest that i wasn't letting her on stage with me. <laughs> and finally i was looking around i was like you know what like what the fuck is, what, why not come on up man yeah. she sang lizzo uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. chestnut yeah. street. like it was she did all she's a nut but yeah like uh that stuff like you know um all the clubs and stuff are cool and i've said this a million different times in a million different places like the club stuff is cool and the flyers and the and the and the clout or whatever you want to call it is cool. But mm-hmm. for me, like you know, being on stage at a pitbull concert, sound checking while my kids are dancing around, you know, having an entire arena wish Maddie a happy birthday, you know, like things like that. They call it daddy magic, and it's it's just it's funny and it cracks me up because I'm not I don't really see it that way, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's very cool to see things that, that, that they get to do through their eyes or see what my world through their eyes. You right. Know, like, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're great. They're on spring break. I'm actually going to go hang with them right after this. Cool. Yeah. My, my two little sisters, they, they are too. So nice. they're always calling me, bothering me. But, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people like kind of talk about, you know, like working in nightlife and it's kind of hard to you know juggle, like having a family, having kids sure. and, um, you know, everything like that. And you know, it's a big toll, like working like, like mentally and physically too. Mm-hmm. Um, so could you like talk a little about that? Like just like how you do like juggle everything and you know just uh, stay. Sometimes not very well. Yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, and you all see what I let you see on social media. Yeah, right. Uh, a friend of mine told me a long time ago, you can fix tired, you can't fix hungover. Um, 
and that kind of sits with me. I don't party the way I used to anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I just can't. My schedule's too crazy, and you know, like, um, and I want to be there for the gymnastic stuff and the dancing and the swimming and the, all that other shit. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets to be a lot because you know kids are kids, and the more you do, the more they want. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like they're God, just an off button. Like even the other day on Sunday, I was like, I looked at Mads and I was like, just five minutes <laughs> without touching me, please. Like, but you do what you have to do for the people you care about. And that's really just, and that goes from my team and my family and, and my friends. And you do what you got to do for the people that you care about. And yeah, I'm tired a lot. And yeah, I'm grumpy even more than I'm tired and, and uh, all of those things. But you fake that for your kids and, and you put a smile on and you go and you do and you sleep when you can, you know. And again, a lot of that stems back to my wife. Uh, she runs around with them a lot, a lot and takes a lot of the pressure off of me mm-hmm. um, so I can do what I have to do. but. Especially with everything and down the shore and everything right now, like I'm gonna be living down there without them for a while mm-hmm. um, until they're done school and stuff like that. I gotta get these buildings open, gotta get these projects going, and and that's um gonna be hard. I'm gonna run back and forth more than I probably should for a normal human being, but uh, I've functioned on like <laughs> hours of sleep for the last twenty years. I'm not gonna stop now, you know. Yeah, let's definitely get into that though. The you know the Wildwood uh, you know concepts and venues that you're opening up. It's gonna be three different ones, right? Three different, yeah. uh, three different uh, food and beverage venues. Okay. So there's a bar restaurant, um, and then there's a bar, uh, and then there's a pool day club kind of concept. Now during the week, the the day club will be um, so the day club's called Forecast, it's spelled with F O U R, like the exit off the Parkway. Um, a kind of nod to our partners over at Exit Six, right. and. Uh, we had a bunch of different names for it. I, I fought for this one. Um, I thought the marketing behind it was cool. You know, every hour on the hour, forecast calls for showers. You come out, you shoot some champagne, you yeah. do some cool shit. Um, that'll be a party pool Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Uh, we do have a 64-room hotel above us that my partners own. Um, and so it, during the week, it'll be still a pool where you could go and drink and, and, and eat, but not – no DJs during the week. No, mm-hmm. you know, nothing on Saturday, Sunday, it'll turn into more of, I don't want to call it HQ. It's impossible to compare <laughs> it to that. Um, and I would never want to insult my HQ family, but it'll be the closest thing to that, that, that the shore points outside of Atlantic city have ever seen. We're spending a lot of time and a lot of money to kind of make it a place that people consider for a bachelor party now, you know, yeah, um, right. and things like that or bachelorette party. Uh, the Fairview is an is an is an uh, a nod to the old Fairview that we knocked down. So okay. we knocked down two buildings to build this space. We knocked down Second Street Annie's, and we knocked down the Fairview. The Fairview was a Wildwood staple. I I never experienced it. I, I wasn't a Wildwood guy growing up, but mm-hmm. um, from what I'm told, that was the spot mm-hmm. for years and years. Um, and so we wanted to keep the name and wanted to keep kind of some respect to the old place. And then the nightclub is going to be called Vice. Um, it'll be a little bit like exit six for those that are familiar with that on a steroid. It won't smell like pee. Uh, <laughs> no, it won't. It won't. Right. Not right away, probably. Um, but that's actually that's getting knocked down too. What exit six? We're gonna redo exit six too. Can't Maybe say too much more than that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but where are the was. buildings located? Um, so the buildings are located on Pacific Avenue in actual Wildwood. So it's thirty six oh one Pacific Avenue. Okay. Um. And the hotel is called Seaport Suites. And then obviously we have Fairview Social, Vice, and Forecast Day Club. Um, the cool part about it is we also own the Shamrock, where the Shamrock was. 
and then we own the two buildings where, or my partners do, uh, the buildings where uh, Exit 4 and the VFW next to it, which we're now using for storage. But the goal is to get this project up and running, get these venues established, and then potentially do something just like that right down the street. Um, yeah. Trying to kind of, my partners are investing a lot of money in Pacific Ave, or on Pacific Avenue in Wildwood. Um, again, wasn't a Wildwood guy, so I can't really speak to what it used to be like but i can right. tell you right now it's a lot of abandoned buildings and a lot of nonsense and they're doing their best to pick up all those and turn it into something kind of cool so yeah this sounds awesome i'm really listen, excited to listen, see what it. i can tell you is um you won't see anything like this at a jersey shore point people are going to start to copy it now um, <laughs> right yeah and so we, we know that happens a lot in our world but uh it was super well thought out everything is connected in the bottom um the venues swerve kind of intermingly. It's almost like, you know, how in Disney, there's a whole world underneath the world of Disney. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole world underneath the bottom of this building. I'm excited, but... Listen, whenever you guys want to come down, I'll, I'll walk you that, that is so, like, unique, I, I think, I especially for the Jersey Shore. If you see me, I'd love to see you, but if you see me, you didn't. I've seen you in Wildwood before, bud. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the name. I know, I definitely... I've I seen you. Know. I've seen the pizza oh incidents. I've seen it all. <laughs> pizza <laughs> incident. Yeah, he I, stole listen. my pizza. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, but how do you steal someone's food? Well, what happened exactly? She I got literally just a pizza out of her hand. Left I exit think. six. The pizza place is about to close. Get a slice. Put it down for a minute because it's hot. And I turn around. I'm talking. Whatever. I turn back around. Slice is gone. And the kid next to me is eating. Slice. <laughs> oh my um, god! Excuse me. Did you just? Is that my slice? Like, are you eating my slice of pizza? He's like, yes. And I was like, take it back for a second. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, where are you even from? Delco? And he's like, yes. And I was like, all oh, makes sense. I think so you then, forget the level of alcohol that's consumed throughout the day. You can steal someone's food. You're a, I'd ask you're if he not, asked me, I would have gave You're not a mutant. Like, I'm not from Delco. <laughs> I'm not from Delco either. Talia hates Delco, like, guys. They're just Do you South Philly people fucking have such an issue with Delco? You know you're both the same, right? Not their morals are a lot. <laughs> you know it's the same, right? Take it from the North Jersey kid. From you the guys outsider. are exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> I have more respect. I want to steal someone's food. The girls are prettier in South Philly. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't well, argue no, that. I have friends in Delco. Should we do a poll on the on the Instagram story? No, <laughs> no, because if it goes the wrong way, you'll never see her again. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. No, don't, don't do and that. I'm, I'm not gonna be number two. So yeah, so as far as Wildwood goes, it, it's it's um, it's new for me. Uh, I've never I've never owned or or been involved in projects of mm -hmm. this caliber. Um, my partners are extraordinarily good at what they do. Um, I brought on a partner, uh, my buddy Amir who used to run Porta and Ubon and Uptown, and um, he was recently at the Winston. Um, everybody's got a guy, and Amir is mine. And what I've learned over the years is a su super important thing to know is what you're not good at. Um, and I think I could learn anything, but I'm very confident in knowing that I am not a great operator right now. And if Frank was here, we could talk about <laughs> what a good operator looks like. I am not that yet, but I'm learning as much as I can about how to be a good operator, and I'm learning from my partners. And so I'm actually going to, and this is probably the first time I'm saying this out loud, I'm actually going to be taking a step back. I'm probably not going to DJ at all this summer. Hmm. Um, I have to shift my focus to uh, this opportunity, which could be way more lucrative for my family and for me. Um, what's that? working on a lot you can't do everything yeah and like i'm only one person and yeah. quite frankly um 
the DJ world has gotten a little tricky, which we could kind of get into. You know, there's a lot of saturation and a lot of other companies that do exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sitting in the office of a company that's that's way bigger than mine, but <laughs> yeah. but along the similar lines. You know, I have nothing but respect for Frank and, and his team and and whatnot. But uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of us and there's a lot of DJs, and so I've been given an opportunity to be an owner in something and to be and to learn another avenue. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm older now. Like there's a shelf life on what we do and I'm lucky that I'm not there yet, but I'm getting pretty close to it. You know, like I don't want, you know, and I know recently, I don't want to be Jerry Blavid. I don't want to be the older guys that, and they've made a great careers for themselves. I'm not taking a single thing away from them. It's just not what I have bigger. I have bigger plans than that. And I got this yeah. really crazy opportunity to be involved in whether this works or not. The, the knowledge I'm going to gain from it will be valuable enough that taking a step back from DJing, I'm never going to not DJ. You know, I still have the radio show. Yeah, I still yeah, have right. the Pitbull yeah. stuff. I still, I'm going to do all those things still. But mm-hmm. seeing my name on a flyer Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the next couple months, you're not going to see me, which means we're going to throw a really <laughs> big party in September. When we, yeah, but like, that's awesome. But, what I, but like, I, I just I have to be down there. So I'll be at those venues yeah, seven makes sense. days a week. Yeah. Um, as often as I can be there, my wife and kids already know that if I'm not sleeping or having dinner with them, I'm at work. Um, we're going to be open seven days a week, all three of those spots. Pretty much, you know, from the family's going to do breakfast. So from 8 a.m. until 3 a.m. at that place. And from, say, 11 a.m. to 6 at the pool. And maybe 8 o'clock till 3 a.m. at the nightclub. So yeah. I'm going to be bar hopping. And that was, that's why we built that's this. That's the old Kick me out before I even get there. <laughs> I'll have a chair in the office with your name on it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, um... Our newest sponsor, Kiki Vodka, which, you know, shout out Kiki. Uh, very good. They make seltzers. I think a very nice bottle. Looks good. They had the Mummer's Tea. I didn't even know it was Kiki. I had the Mummer's Tea on New Year's. And um, when we were talking to them a few days ago, I was like, oh, shit, you guys did that? Uh, you know, that's great. But, yeah, Drew uh, and his team are great. Yeah, um, I know you guys are uh, working with them. Yeah, we do, a bu- we do a bunch of stuff with Drew and his team and uh, a bunch of my locations, you know, uh, um, all the CCG properties, you know, um, they have their seltzers and their ties to Kiki. Uh Drew and his team, uh, listen, they're they're in a super uphill battle going against the surf sides and the white clubs, mm-hmm. but their vodka is good. Um, and, you know, as a guy who's now an owner-operator, their price point is appropriate for the product. Like, right. it's a really good product for what the price is, and, and I love that about them. But what I really like about Drew and his team, um, and, you know, I don't really like salespeople. It's not for me. I'm that guy that when you come in, I'm like, just give me the fucking number. <laughs> tell me what it is, and I'll tell you if it works for me or not. Drew kind of read that about us real fast. And so he never bullshitted with us. He told us what he could do and what he couldn't do. And last year they were in a different situation with distributors and things like that. So last year was a different scenario than this year. And he promised mm-hmm. me at one point something that's really important to me in this world on the DJ side and the, and the business side is a lot of people in this business don't do what they say they're going to do. You know, I'll have you this by next week. No, you won't. That's fine. You, you don't... Every time Drew's told me he was going to do something, he's gotten it done. And, I, and I'll work with somebody like that 10 out of 10 times versus maybe there's somebody with a better price point or maybe there's somebody with a different kind of product that I want. Yeah. But this dude, when he tells me it's going to be there Thursday, it's there Thursday. You need that consistency. And, like, for me, with all the shit I have going on, not having to follow up with somebody a million times is super, super important. Yeah. And, yeah, like, and those guys are, are, besides having a really dope product and, and really, really – pushing a market share here they're they're everywhere now which is cool to see it's the consistency of both the product and the people that work there for me and that's 
that's more important than anything. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this industry in general, you got to be consistent. You got to be on time. You can't, you yeah. know, you can't miss anything because there's always a replacement. Like there's always somebody that is waiting well, we to step working in. working together because somebody missed their gig. Literally. Yeah. Like, that's literally yeah. how it started. Yeah. I filled in at Brew and, you know, and then yeah, you hit me up the that. next day and you're like, oh, you, you want to keep, you want to keep DJing? I'm listen, like, yeah. I mean, listen, for me and like everyone has this weird, this weird perception of me that like is hard ass and I can be all those things, but where it gets for me is I built this brand from nothing. So I started it by myself or with one friend from college that's, mm-hmm. that's now still my best friend. But And we've gained some partnerships along the way and lost some partnerships along the way and gained some accounts and lost some accounts. But for me, somebody can just go in and do their job and I don't have to hear about it. Man, I love that. Like, yeah. And there's nobody I don't want to make money with. Like, I'm not – I'm just very particular about the brand and, and the product that's coming out of the speakers – and I'm very particular about the human. And I've said this a million different places. I can make you a better DJ. I can't make you a better human. And I don't have time and I don't want right. to. So, like, you show up on time. You do a good job. You're open to some criticism when it comes in. Because if you haven't been criticized after a gig, you haven't been doing this long enough. Mm-hmm. Like, the first fucking gig I had at Public House, which was the biggest gig in my career at that time, Nick Montone walked right in and was like, what are you doing? This stinks. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Okay. I like when people tell me stuff like that. I'm like, thank you. You have to hear and it. Yeah. I'm like that too, but that's not the world that we live in now. Like soft. when you tell somebody no, you're 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 gatekeeping them from something. When you tell somebody thank you but no thank you, well, you're 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 just you're blocking them from work. Like I can't tell you how many people have hit up either Alexis or Teddy or CCG or me directly and asked to work for us, and I'll ask for something very simple. Send me your EPK. And send me some mixes. Well, that never happens. Right. Nine times out of ten, that doesn't happen. On the tenth time that it does happen, one out of ten of those mixes is up to what I would consider my standards. Whether that's fair or not, it doesn't matter. It's my it's yeah. my company. It's my choice. Like, yeah. and Frank has yelled at me about this a million times that I've <laughs> kind of like. I have to remember this is a business and, and whereas he's right and I have to take my personal shit aside from it a lot of times, which I'm not good at and he's great at, which I love about him. But like for me, if I say no, it doesn't mean I don't like you. It doesn't mean that we can't work together in the future. It doesn't mean that it just means right this very second for what you're asking me. It's not the right fit as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. And my job is to make sure that the venues and the registers are and the staff is making as much money as possible. And if I don't think you can do that, I'm not going to put you in somewhere just because you think you deserve it. And I and that happens a lot. We in also this want world. people to succeed, so it's not like you want to set somebody up for failure. No, and, and like people don't understand that. Like you're just trying, you're also trying to help them. Yeah, but this is a weird world where there are very few businesses in the world where somebody will call you up and ask to take your job. Like imagine being in an accounting office, right, and sitting at a at a desk and doing mm-hmm. someone's tax return, and be like, you know what? I can add that better than you. Why don't you let me you let me handle that? There's very few businesses where people that you don't know are comfortable contacting you and asking you for something. Like, imagine you behind the bar, right? Imagine if every time somebody that drinks came up to you and said, can I have a drink for free? Like, excuse me? Like, th- what? It's, it's, it's a weird thing to think about, but you're asking me to give you something. I don't know you. I have never met you before. We don't, we don't, you don't know my kid's name. Right. You don't know my yeah. wife's name. You don't have my phone number. Mm-hmm. 
like the first words out of your mouth are, Can hey man, try? Ubon yeah. looks fun. How do I DJ there? Well, you don't. If I pulled up my DMs right now, you, like, your, sorry, your, head, your, head, your head would explode. I bet. Like, this phone is a gift and a curse. I can find anything I want about you in 13 seconds. Mm -hmm. I can tell that you bought followers in five seconds. I can tell that you don't actually DJ out in five seconds. I can tell pretty much anything about you from this in five seconds. Blue check. Yeah, buying the blue check. It asked me the other day. It was like, you could sign up to, I was like, here's going to be the problem. a blue check. Here's going to be the problem with the blue check marks. Okay. The amount of money that they're making off the blue check marks is astronomical. Yeah. But here, but it did invalidate the other check mark. So what's going to wind up happening is another level of check mark is going to come mm -hmm. out for the actual influencers and celebrities. But where the money is going to continue is if I want people to see my content, I'm probably going to have to purchase that stupid verification at some point for that. Or you're going to have to start paying to see the higher level check marks. Yeah. Listen, I have almost 12,000 followers or whatever it is. I don't feel the need to purchase a check mark. Um, I think it's a little bit cringy. But I also understand the numbers behind it and I understand the way the model moves. So I'm saying right now, I'm making fun of everyone that says verified in March of 2023 because I just think it's a winner <laughs> move. But at some point, you're probably going to see a blue check mark next to my name. I'm going to have no choice if I want to continue. At that point, you have to make a decision whether or not that's for you. And I think Instagram is making a really bold choice and, and it may affect their, but they, they got everybody by the balls. Yeah, they do. But like, same thing with the likes thing. Like nobody wanted like same thing. the whole no likes on everything. Now you have that option, but people are still doing it. Right. And like, I don't know. I just, it, it goes back to the overall theme for me that like everyone in this, and not just this world, it's all the worlds, but specifically in the entertainment and the nightlife and the whatever business, there's a lot of faking of the funk on a lot of it. A lot of fake videos, a lot of fake routines, a lot of fake whatever. Like, I'd rather focus on the product that's coming out of the speakers when I play. I'd rather focus on the relationships that I build with people outside of this phone. If I stop getting booked because I don't have a blue check mark next to my name, then I guess my time. I guess I guess my time is coming, and that's okay. I, I looked it up the other day because I was curious. There's like 2.3 billion active members on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So 44 million buying a check mark doesn't seem that often no, given yeah. the numbers. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of money. And it's a lot of money it for is. a company to walk away from. It's a lot of money. But until somebody says to me, you can't see my kids on my story without a blue check mark next to my name. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's weird to me. I'm not famous. I'm a guy that plays somebody else's music and I play it at a pretty high level and I play it in some pretty cool places but I'm just a guy that lives in King of Prussia with two kids and a wife that's building bars in Wildwood that plays another artist's music. I don't have a single song that's mine. Mm -hmm. I don't have a single beat that's mine. I don't have a single piece of intellectual property other than my name that's mine. You know, so like, what verified for what? To play at Ubon, I do that already. You know, like to play right. at HQ, I do that already. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't understand. But again. <laughs> got to get better at not giving a shit about things <laughs> that, don't bother, that don't affect me. And right. so, like, that blue check mark, as corny as I think it is, it doesn't affect me at all. Like, guys, we can see it. it. We click on your name, and it says what month you were verified on. If you were verified after March of 2023, and we know. you don't have 20,000 yeah. followers, I know you're paying for it. <laughs> yeah. So, again, to me, it's invalidating. I could find out anything I need to know in a minute.
I get emails all the time. Like I've, I've opened for this one and that one and I've worked. Do you know how many emails I get from people that tell me they work to the places that I do the bookings for? I love that. Faking their resumes. Bro, I walked up. I, yeah. was at a gig, I was at Kiss Kiss the one night and one of my guys was DJing and a kid came up to me and I never say Jason, DJ Jason, why? I just say, yeah, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm Jason. You know, like kid came up to me. He's like, hey man, like this DJ's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, it's good. Meanwhile, he works for me. Right. He was like, yeah, he's like, I- I'm DJ too. And I was like, cool, cool. He's like, I was like, so where do you play? He's like, oh, I'm like Philly and AC. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, where, where? And he's like, well, I play here all the time. I was booking there all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. I play at Porta and I play at, at, at Brew. And I was like, oh yeah, how long? And he's like, for the last like two years. And I was like, my man, I, I told you my name was Jason. Like, I didn't tell you I'm Jason Weiss. I own Double Down Entertainment. And he was like, I was like, you made a really, really bad choice there, my guy. Like, like I don't. Next thing you know, I get a whole long email to my Instagram. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed. I'm like, no, no, bro. You're not sorry. And you're not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You got caught. You got caught. And now it's weird for you. But like, that's how we, that's how we started. But then there's the other side of the coin. Like there's a DJ named Billy who now lives in South Carolina. Billy G is a really good friend. And he started working for me because he had a good time at Ubon one night. And I obviously saw his name was DJ Billy G on Instagram, but he slid into my inbox and he was like, hey man, we, I was there tonight. I had a really good time. When are you back? My friends and I want to come back. He never asked me for anything. So clicked on his name. I saw we had a couple of mutual friends. I asked one of those mutual DJ friends about him. He works for him in state college. Then all of a sudden I was like, oh, he's pretty good. Cool. Come back out. Let's, let's, let's chop it up and see if we can be friends. Right. Came out. We had a couple of drinks and the next I'm like, yo, I'm going to be here in two weeks. Do you want to open for me? Sure, I would love that. Great, come open for me. Let me hear how you play. And after that moment, he he was on my roster yeah, full time. Yeah. Like, that, if you want to work for somebody like me, there's a process. The Definitely. process isn't DJ Jason Weiss. Hey, how do I play here? It's annoying, like if people are just trying to like get something out of you instead of like genuinely trying to. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, that goes for life in general. Like a lot of people are like like that. And. And again, I'm thankful that I'm in a position that people think I can help them and help their career. And I try to help as many people as I can, as often as I can. But this is still my business. This is still how I pay bills and how I feed my family and how I put my kids in private school and things like that. So it has to align with the business that I align with. And then in this business, there's just in any business, but specifically in this one. You have to have a level of trust with people because everyone's trying to take from you every single day here. And I'm sure and I was in corporate America for a long time. I wasn't in I was in the law side of things, not like the traditional business side of things. But I'm sure if you're a salesman that, you know, sales reps, other sales reps are trying to steal your accounts all the time. Like every single day, someone tries to take one of my accounts every single day. So like. How do you protect it? You protect it by keeping the product good. You protect it by keeping who is in your circle strong. You protect it by relationships with staff members and relationships with DJs and relationships mm-hmm. with, with management. But management changes all the time and, and staff changes all the time. And we've been very successful booking gigs with staff going to other places and asking for us. But now we're getting a little older and we're starting to pull back a little bit. And, and with me starting to pull back a little bit, I just want to make sure that my guys are taken care of. And they're still working as much as they want to work. And if, if I can do that, then, then I'll consider Double Down successful. Because eventually Double Down's going to either go away or just be a back focus for me. Um, and I don't say that as like, a, I want to give up DJing. I don't. It's my therapy. It's what I love to do. It makes me happy. Um, but the reality is I'm 41 years old. You know, I, I'm 
involved in other businesses and I have other opportunities and I want to be able to go to San Diego once a month and go to Texas and play right. once, and then come home and show love to my accounts maybe on a Friday once a month and then not have to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday every week. It's yeah. a lot. Um, let's actually backtrack a little bit for uh, Double Down. Sure. I kind of wanted to know how Double Down Radio started, uh, everything like with Pitbull. Double Down Radio was a concept that kind of started from another concept. So when quarantine hit, um, we everyone went to Twitch and everyone went to mm. Facebook Live and everyone went to Instagram Live. And quite frankly, I found all of that very boring. Now, there's a ton of money in Twitch, and I have a lot of DJ friends all over the country that are making five to 20000 a month on Twitch. Jesus. And, like, God bless them. Yeah. It's just not for me. And quite frankly, our style of DJing and what we do is we throw parties and we, we manage events. Now, can I go on and DJ on Twitch and make people have a good time for an hour? Yeah, I'm pretty confident I can do that. But I found it boring. I didn't want to sit on my phone and watch a DJ play music for an hour. I didn't want to. It also was depressing for me that I, that this is what my career <laughs> yeah, had come to. Yeah, like, DJing for a screen. Right. It became a little depressing for me. And, con- and, I, and I found that my attention span for it was like five or six minutes. So I got on the email or my text message with my team. And I was like, listen, I don't think we should do Twitch. Now, I'm not telling you not to do it. But as a company, I'm mm-hmm. telling you we're not going to do it. What I think we should do is at this point, there's we were supposed to be in quarantine for 14 days. I think we should make a different mix from a different DJ every single day that we're in quarantine. And we called it the shut-in sessions. And it started with just 14 mixes scheduled out. Well, 14 became 21, and 21 became 30, and 30 became right. 40. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it was like, we're going to fucking keep going. Like, we're going to keep going. They're getting a ton of response, and we mm-hmm. had... DJs from like Morgan Page and Vice and Scene and all these guys that were around. We used all of our connections. Listen, we knew everyone was sitting at home with nothing to fucking do. And and so these mixes started to pick up traction. And I had been on Pitbull Radio once before through my friends uh, at the Rasta Radio and and DJ Chaos out of San Diego. And we had met at uh, in Atlantic City at Dare and they asked me to be on their show. And that show got pretty good ratings. Now, when I tell you I redid that mix 472 times because it was my first time on the radio, (laughs) it was probably 6,000. But so we had that. So we had a little bit of of radio clout, we'll call it. And then these mixes started to make a lot of noise. I had those guys on it. I had the DJ City guys on it. I had touring Mm -hmm. DJs on it. And the next thing you know, I get an email like, hey, do you want a slot on globalization? And I was like, like the XM (laughs) station? I was like, and I wrote back, I was like, yeah. He's like, how about Friday? I was like, how about no? And they're like, what? And they're like, you said no to a... Re-. I was like, I'll, I will do this, but you can't give me two days. You like, can't be it rushed. It has to yeah. be right. Like, mm-hmm. I have to set things up. I have to get marketing. I, it has to be right for me. And they gave me like three weeks. And, and we wound up purchasing a picture from a Philly photographer of a really cool Philly streetlight with like fog all over it. And we used that as the marketing. And like, it was just going to be like, a, it was like we put double down and radio on the street signs. And the first show was me and Exodus, and we had a 11 a.m. Friday Eastern time, 8 a.m. Pacific. And I didn't know that this was going to be a full-time thing. I thought this was going to be like during quarantine. We were on episode 190-something now, um, and I've had every major artist. And we're going to start doing some really cool shit with that. We're going to start doing live radio shows at the studio, live interviews with artists on the show. Um, my buddy Exodus out of Vegas is our host. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool because we've had – 
We don't have a format for our show. We can do whatever we want. I started an episode off with Stevie Wonder the other day. Like, yeah, I can yeah. do whatever I want on this show as long as the song edits are clean and as long as the mixing is good. But but we we monitor every mix there, too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't let a mix air that I don't hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I don't let a mix air that my team doesn't hear. I don't necessarily listen to all of them, but Drift or, 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 or Exodus, we screen right. them all. We ran a couple contests, you know, for people across the country to try to give them an opportunity to do that. But yeah, I mean, listen, it started in quarantine and, and those mixes picked up enough clout that the program director from Sirius XM reached out and he was on our show. From that, the Pitbull concert started, you know, Pitbull um, thought it was cool that he had this radio station and he's very involved in this. That's station. so cool. Yeah. He's very, very yeah. involved. Like he listens all the time, like he's paying attention and, um, so I got a phone call that he wanted to start doing his DJs to open his concerts instead of an opening act. He thought yeah. it'd be a cooler kind of synergy to whatever. And so um, the first one I did was at the Hard Rock in NAC, and I did two there. Um, and then they asked me to do Hershey Stadium, which was by far the biggest gig I've ever done. It was 22,000 people. That's um, That's something I can't really describe to <laughs> I had done this at this point. I had done two Pitbull concerts, Ricky Martin and Ricky Iglesias and Mary J. Blige. I've been the opening acts for all of those um, mm-hmm. artists, but this one, it felt different for a bunch of different reasons. I don't know if you've ever been to Hershey stadium. It's indoor outdoor. Oh, okay. So it was in the middle of July and I drove from Wildwood to Hershey stadium. Um, and it was hot as shit outside. And so it was Pitbull me and Iggy Azalea. So I went on first, then Iggy Azalea, Mm -hmm. then I went back on, and then Pitbull was going on. That opening set, I didn't have them. Like, they were hot. They were, the sun was beating down on them. Yeah. They were, they didn't want this fat Jewish kid on stage. (laughs) They wanted Pitbull. Like, it was, like, they, they wanted to see an artist, right? So Iggy went on and she did what she does and, and she got them all hyped up and I sat in the green room, like, pacing. Like, I, I'm not going to lose them again. There's a picture on my Instagram of me taking a selfie on that stage. Like, yeah. I had them at that moment, but not every gig is a movie, my man. Not every yeah. gig is a home run. Like, I didn't do a bad job during that opening set. They just didn't give a fuck that I was there. And they didn't care. Mm-hmm. They were sitting in their seats. The sun, It was 6.30 p.m. The sun was beating on them for hours. They wanted a drink and they wanted to see somebody that had a song on, on the fucking radio. When I went back on, I was like, okay, like she did mostly hip hop. Like I'm just going to play party shit. And I did. And they, and they were with me then, you know, but if I can teach you anything, not every gig is going to be a home run for you, my man. It's just, it's not like there's going to be gigs where you leave there and say, this wasn't great. Um, and that opening set for me, I remember texting my wife and being like, I got to rethink my brain here. Um, and, and I did, you know, I reevaluated and I switched it around and, and whatever, but that's, that's the experience. That's the, uh, you know, being in so many different rooms in so many different cities, but, uh, doing a concert like that for an artist is something I never, ever dreamed I would have the opportunity to do. I never dreamed I'd have the opportunity to do it multiple times, um, it's an experience that's just, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I stuttered when I was a kid. So to get on a microphone in front of 20,000 people and, and talk to them is is a little bit different for me. But it's one of the biggest blessings of my career. And, and if I can just do that, 
I'd probably give up the whole nightclub thing. It's just, it's a different level of, uh, it's a different level of, of, of experience. It's, besides the money being great and the time being so short, it's just like, you turn around and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> yeah. like, how, like, how did they, like, I used to play at Mission Grill for 12 people and get $200 and now I'm taking a selfie of 20,000 people? Like, that's wild. And I don't deserve this, but I'm thankful that I'm here. <laughs> And that, that's real. It's, I don't really know how to describe it. It's one of those out of body experiences where you're just like, you do it and you're just like, did I really just fucking like, did I, I got in my car and drove back to Wildwood. I sat in silence. I was just about to say, did I, you sit in silence? 100%. 100%. <laughs> I remember getting like halfway home Took and calling, in. I think I called DJ Bad and I was just like, he's like, how'd it go? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> kind of blacked out. Like, I guess it was great. Like, but that concert being one wound up being one of their best stops on their tour from a merch standpoint, from a, wow. from a yeah. crowd response standpoint. Like he was super happy with the show. He was super happy with me. Um, and it's nice to establish yourself in that way. Like, and now I get calls for weird shit. Like two weeks ago, I was sitting in my house on a Wednesday and I got a call from the hard rock that the killers opening DJ or opening act missed their flight. Could I come down? And now listen, they wound up, it wound up being, the lead singer's band, so he wanted them there. Okay. So he flew them in private. But, like, imagine just on a Wednesday, somebody calling you, like, hey, can you open for the killers? <laughs> for the like, killers. sure, you got it. I never expected any of that. And I never and I never dreamed of it. And now that it's here, I'm super thankful that it is. I still kind of shake my head, like, what the yeah. fuck is my life? Like, I kept my head down. I tried to keep my nose clean. I, I tried, to, tried to stay out of trouble. I got myself in way more than I would have ever liked uh, from a personal relationship standpoint, from a friendship standpoint, from a nightlife standpoint, I, I need to learn to keep my mouth shut way more than I do. But all of those roads kind of led me to here. You know? I mean, it kind of shows that, you know, do you have to earn your stripes, grind, and, it, and eventually it pays off. You just got to do things the right know, way, my yeah, man. Like, yeah. and, I'm a, and that's where I get myself in trouble because to me, there's a very specific way in a, of, of doing this business and a very specific way to not do it. And I've tried very hard, whether people believe that or not, to do it the right way. And whether it's right or wrong, it, it was still my company to do my way. And it was my yeah. mistakes to make. And I've made a million. And I've lost friendships over my nonsense. And I've lost, you know, close business partnerships over disagreements of how to handle certain things. And, and I try to get better. You know, I... I done the therapy thing. I do the business coach thing. I've done it all to try to keep my head straight. This business will, will bury you if you let it right. as a bartender, as a DJ, as whatever, it'll, it'll take a hold of you if you let it. So again, to those I've wronged, my apologies. We could talk about it if you want. Uh, but for the most part, I've really tried to make sure that my guys are taken care of, that my accounts are taken care of, that the partnerships we've established are taken care of. And I haven't always done that the right way and I haven't always made the right choices but I've, I've never done it maliciously to kind of hurt anybody so yeah, right. I could sleep at night knowing that whether I was right or I was wrong if I'm wrong I'll tell you I'm sorry and I'll try to work it out but if I'm but a lot of times I don't really necessarily agree that that I would have done things differently you know I would have maybe been a little less aggressive but that's good. You like acknowledge that, though. No, listen. Like I've made more mistakes than I can count. You know, and I and I've everybody makes mistakes. Of course, and and you live and you learn. I also, I also didn't have any experience. The same way I'm going into this Wildwood project without a ton of operating experience. Like I tell my partners all the time. Like 
I'm I'm good at knowing what I don't know. So tell me when I'm wrong. Tell me what needs to get done. Like yeah. I ask Amir every day, like what can I be doing? Like I feel useless right now down there because I feel like I don't have a purpose. Like we're not open, so I'm not operating. I'm not going to be DJing there. So like it's almost like that scene from Talladega Nights. Like what do I do with my hands? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, what yeah. To do. I don't really know what to do with myself. <laughs> a lot of times, like I go down there. I'm not a construction guy, so I go down there and they're painting and building and framing out banquettes. And I'm just like, is there any emails I could send? Like do you want me to do you want me to play music somewhere? Right. Like like what do you want me to do? You know. Um, but I just think for both of you, just. I don't know. Just remember where you are. Like it's, it's a really weird space, this world. And like, we make a lot of money for a short amount of time and, and we're allowed to drink at work and yeah. party and there's drugs around and there's and like, if you let it take a hold of you, it, it will. will. <laughs> and it has to too many people that I've, uh, you know, and I don't know. It just, this world is what you make of it. There's a ton of money to be made, but there's also a ton of. It's addicting too, like the money, like the fast money, like <laughs> yeah, being in yep. the party scene, like it just like becomes addicting. Do you know how many? Like, do you know how many? Actually, get sleep for a day. <laughs> right. right. Like yeah. last week, I literally worked and then got done, got home at like four, fell asleep at like five, had to be in at like ten. Yep. Got convinced to do a double, which I love. Like I don't mind working. Like I love to work. Like sure. I don't mind doing it, but I was like on three hours of sleep, and I was like. I don't even drink Red Bulls like that. I drank like two Red Bulls. A hundred. You need it sometimes, coffee. yeah. I was literally, I got home and I couldn't even like fathom food. I was like shaking because I like had no So food. my Red Bull hits me when I park in my driveway. I'm tired all night and I get <laughs> in my driveway and I'm just like, huh, what? Then you can't sleep. <laughs> now I'm up. Staring at my, I, so I, and I also don't know how to shut my brain off. Yeah, so like, I'll get to my driveway and I'll just be like, fuck. Like, I'll get home, I'll take a shower, and Val will be like, where are you going? I'm like, going up to my office. Like, for what? I was like, I don't know. There's, like, shit I can do. Like, I'm not tired. And next thing you know, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, and the kids are waking up. I'm like, oh, great. Like, this is this is great. We're doing. But you got you to gotta find. Take care of yourself. Well, like, you know how many conversations I've had? Like, you said about the fast money. You know how many conversations I've had with bartenders that have become managers that quit being a manager to go back oh, yeah. to being a bartender? Because we expect these people to work their asses off and to ride for these places and to really, really go – like you're leaving with six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Some nights without, like depending on where you work, you could leave with a bunch of cash. You're on salary. You don't get that. Managing all these people that are making more money than you, yeah. it's almost like a, a coach for a major league team. Like the players are making hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're not starving, but they're not making nearly the money no, the players no. are making. Yeah. So like you expect some guy that's making a hundred million to listen to a guy that's making a hundred thousand? It's not. It doesn't. You know, like that's a good point. Yeah, it's weird. A lot like of people end up leaving the management to go back to even like. It's very too. hard to find good managers because they're underpaid and they're and overworked. They're overworked so correct. I would not right. Manage unless it was like right actual. Good well, what, hours well, what's your what what's your upside to being a manager versus a whatever? I mean, you get a consistent pay, but it's not as much as right. you are making. Sure, I mean, you can make that in two days. I'm mean, not maybe two days, but like you know, like less right. days. Yeah, there's 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 usually benefits involved, yeah. which is a big number that people don't think about, and there's things like that. But again, like that money is addicting, like you said, like getting that kind of pay for a short period of time is addicting. And like, well, I feel like it motivates you too. Like you have to like work for the money when you're on a salary. You're like, right. more, not saying like all managers, are like right, that, right, right, But right. I'm saying in general, a salary versus like making commission. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's tough. And I did want to ask you. 15-year-old you, if you saw where you're at today, everything you've done, you know, Pipple, Double Down, 
you're opening up these these venues, open up for Steve Aoki. What what would he think? Um, I'm not really sure. So at 15, <laughs> I never ever ever imagined this. Um, I think 21 year old me, like starting DJing in Philly, or 22 year old me would probably tell you that you're full of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we're never ever ever gonna get to that point. Am I done? Who do you need him? Slide this way. You're sliding out. Oh, I'm in frame now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're, we're back in. No, no, I mean, not yet. Um, I don't know. I'm just getting comfy. I think, like, I think, like, like early DJ me um, would have never pictured this. I, I was working at a law firm for 11 years while I was DJing. You know, I had a full time job for most of the time I was building this business. Um, I think he would probably be proud. He would probably be confused. He would probably tell me to, uh, or 41-year-old me would probably tell 22-year-old me to like not take shit so personally and to take the chip off his shoulder. Like I've mentioned this in other podcasts and whatnot. Like I didn't get any love from this community. I didn't get any support. I, didn't, I mm-hmm. taught myself with a couple mentors along the way, like a couple friends that I would go and watch and things like that. But for the most part, like, I didn't have anybody like riding for me the way maybe I ride for people now. Like, and, and I'm, and I'm thankful for that partially, but also it it was tough. Like I was, like I said, in Kev's podcast, like I was the kid at the law firm that was getting gigs that full-time DJs thought they should have. There was a lot of negativity and hate toward me. So I would just tell younger me to keep his head down and shut his fucking mouth and just do what he was doing. But it's hard, man. It's hard to, it's hard to go back that far and realize that, uh, it's hard to go back that far and think about it now because I never, I never imagined music being my life. I never imagined owning nightclubs and bars. I never imagined owning a company that was doing 250, 300 events a month. You know, I never imagined any of these things. So like, I think I probably high five myself and say like, you know, good job, <laughs> yeah. you know, and shut the fuck up a lot more. Like, please just Jason, shut up. Um, Oh, that, that, so that, in the college, like, where do you think you were going to end up, like, after graduation? So I went right. I worked for a law firm in college. Um, I have a degree in industrial organizational psychology, which is basically how to make people more effective in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And I have a minor in business. I stayed an extra year at Penn State. When your parents ask you if you want to stay another year up there, you say yes. <laughs> to everyone listening, you say yes. <laughs> um, being a grown-up sucks. Uh, but then I, I moved here, and I didn't know what to do. So I, was, I literally went to Applebee's and was learning a menu to be a waiter. Before wow. before I went to get and I took a paralegal job. I got into law school. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I worked at a law firm in college, and I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I didn't know what to do. Like I didn't know what to kind of do with myself. And I picked up a paralegal job because the law firm was kind of the only thing I knew. Um, actually, excuse me. I picked up a project assistant job. I became a paralegal very very quickly after that, and then I became like another kind of project manager. So I was a project assistant, then a paralegal, and then I started to oversee like trials and, and evidence and shit like that and manage contract attorneys and all the shit. Um, I started there and I built this business while I was doing that. Like Philadelphia is a unique market, man. Like we really only do nightlife on Friday and Saturday, mm-hmm. barely kind of Friday, maybe a little bit Sunday, yeah. barely Thursday, but like Fridays and Thursdays, Thursdays used to be so, well, actually it's picking up like it wouldn't work. Like, yeah. Listen, off. as long as you're consistent so. with, entertainment and and again it's that panic button we talked about earlier with bankroll like they're not pushing the panic button with the format now granted we're we're not not seeing people so like i don't know what happens when if and when people stop coming i don't see that happening um but if you're consistent 
I tell everybody in this market, it takes three to six months to build a party in this town that people understand. And a lot of times the venue owners don't want to spend the money for a DJ or want to do that like rev share thing. Or, and that's all great. Like I've done all those things, but you have to kind of stay consistent with the concept. You guys have been open on Thursdays since you opened pretty much and you haven't shied away from that. Now I'm sure there's been some really good Thursdays and some really shitty Thursdays. You fight through the shitty ones mm-hmm. to keep it consistent. And that's something that a lot of operators have a hard time with. So um, I think that is super important, but yes, Fridays are super tough. Fridays in the summer are an absolute disaster. Um, so yeah, like the city is, is interesting. So you can yeah, have definitely. a day job and still work in nightlife here. I did it for 12 years, yeah. you know? Um, but that's, it's just so weird. This, this whole, <laughs> this whole business is so weird. I have a question for you. What made you want to do this? The podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I did have a day job out of college. I graduated in May. Okay. Um, which I no longer have as of a month ago about. Okay. So and I was free time. So I was like, what can I do? You know, I want to keep DJing and I kind of I'm looking at other jobs right now and they kind of interfere with it. And I don't want that. Okay. I'm young right now. I don't have, you know, I don't have a family. I don't have kids. So sure. I feel like not, now's the time for me to you know, capitalize on, you know, me, you know, trying to make it a little, a little more in this, in this world, in this industry. And right. there's so much I want to learn so much I want to do. And I feel like this is like a great like medium for me to do it at. You know, You're in the right office to do it, my man. Yeah, you know, and he's he's a legend. So. Well, yeah, and even you, you know, interviewing yeah, interviewing people like you, you know, I, I feel like I could learn so much. I feel like this would help me grow as a person and getting more comfortable in this industry and meeting you yeah. know, people that work in this industry. Hey, listen, yeah. man, this is a relationship business. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you're there's a lot of DJs that are significantly more talented than me that haven't gone as far as maybe I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a relationship thing. That's, uh, you know, I'm very comfortable telling you where I do and don't fit in in this world. Like, you want me to throw a party? I'll throw you a hell of a party. You want me to enter a DJ battle? I'm not going to win. I don't, it's not what I do. It's not what I'm good at. It's not what I'm comfortable with. It's not something I've ever claimed to be a, I'm not a turntableist. I'm mm-hmm. a DJ. I'm a, I throw a party and I throw a really good one. Yeah. And, and I've done it for a lot of years and I'm thankful to be as consistent as I have. And my team, I'm thankful for the consistency of my team and our clients and whatnot, but I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a battle DJ. I'll get absolutely fucking smoked by a lot, most of these people, but where I, where I shine is, you know, and again, this is going to sound, I'm not the LeBron of DJing. So don't take this this way, but like LeBron is a great basketball player, but he has a super high basketball IQ, right? I have a high DJ IQ. I'm not as talented as LeBron, not even close. I'm not as talented as a lot of the guys that work in the same market as me. I have a pretty high nightlife IQ, and I'm pretty good with people. I'm very good at picking my head up and seeing the crowd that's in front of me and understanding what I can and can't get away with. I'm pretty good at understanding what makes her happy behind the bar. She's happy and she's making money. She's gonna she's gonna ride for me. Yeah, you know, like, and and that's something people forget about. Like I play for. The staff first, the patrons second, and other DJs third. Like, I don't give a shit if there's another DJ in the building. I don't care. They bounce off each other's energies, too. Well, there's that, too. Mm-hmm. But, like, there are nights that are slow where you could be the best DJ in the world, but the staff's going to bitch and moan because they're not making any money. It may be your fault. It may not be your fault. But 
if you can keep them happy, they'll keep you in business. I know about meetings at other venues that we don't play in where the staff is like, we need, we would like to have Weiss here. Like I, un, I, and I'm thankful for all of those relationships. And like, this is a relationship business. So this podcast, you building relationships is as important. I'm not telling you not to work on your DJ you should always work on yeah, that. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But the relationship side of this business is equally as important. And I've been getting crucified for that for 20 <laughs> years, you know? Because yeah. I'll tell you that the relationship is more important than the scratching and the other things. And I, that- I stand on that, like, ne- like connections and like networking. Like, oh I my god, like, yeah. Purposely, like, go out of my way to like network with somebody for their, like a benefit of me. Like, I sure. like speaking to people, but that's how like you thrive. Like, not even just like in this business to bring like back like a crowd or a regular whatever, but also in general. Well, thanks. A regular like workload. Yeah, I just listen. I think I think people go out and spend their hard-earned money, I want to give them the best experience that they could have giving that. And that's why, like, when people get upset about requests, I don't. Like, I get a, I get annoyed about demands. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I certainly don't get, like, you know how many customers have schooled me on a, on a new song that's dope? Or <laughs> things like that. Like, there's a way, like I said, there's a way of handling people and there's a way of handling. I've got, I have survived in nightlife for, in Philadelphia for the last 15 years because of the staffs that I work with and I will live and die by that. I'm in these places as often as I am because the staff rides for me and they ride for me because they know I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to do the best job I can. I'm not going to cause any problems. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be belligerent. I'm not going to be ignorant. I'm not going to piss off their customers. Like they have people that they answer to, too, you know, like, and even though I'm the director of nightlife for a lot of these places, I still go in there like I got a chip on my shoulder. Like I got to make sure that I do a good job here. Like I, I kind of smirked last Sunday. I was playing a place that I've played a thousand times and the manager's like, don't you ever play that well on a Sunday again? I'm tired. I want to go home. <laughs> and I kind of smirked and I was like, I didn't think I was, I was just having fun. It was a big industry night. All I was doing was I wasn't reinventing the DJ wheel. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was just having, just a, good having a good time. Yeah. And I was having a good time because the staff and the people that came to see me were having a good time. And that will get you further than any crab scratch you could possibly learn. Sorry to every DJ watching this. I My bad. <laughs> no, that's I've definitely learned that. I've definitely noticed that. Yeah, relationships and networking is key in this. In, or, Listen, it's if key you sound, in every if industry. If you sound like I mean, shit, yeah. uh, there's not much that we can do. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I line up, if you ask any bar owner what they're looking for in a nightlife station, they're looking for attractive people in their venue, right? If I line up a hundred girls and I say to them, what's important to you on your night out, like musically, I would argue the one girl that sleeps with a DJ tells you that the DJing is important. The other ones are going to say, I want to hear the songs I like. I, I want to be able yeah. to sing along. I, yeah, I, I want to yeah. dance with my friends. I want to I want to go out and do, like the one girl that that has hooked up with a DJ is like, well, he, he needs to be able to beat match. Like, oh, OK, you, you, <laughs> you know, someone you, like, listen, I, I've, I've heard it. But the, I'm, you play for you play for you play for the room. And like and if you play for the room and the room stays consistent, then the staff's money stays consistent. The staff's money stays consistent. You'll have a job forever. And that's that's the secret sauce. Yeah. If you yeah. wanna if you wanna know it, you know, like that's really all it is. Yeah. And so, uh, my last question for you. Yeah. It's a funny question. I, sure. I, and I think you'll have a good answer. What is you don't have to name any the name of the venue or anything? Sure. But what is the weirdest, most unusual, like venue or 
just party you have ever DJed at. Oh, I can at. tell you with this right now with uns- without even hesitating what this was. And I've done a ton of weird shit. <laughs> and a- But I told you earlier, I manage all of the uh, nightlife and DJ stuff at the Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. The Hard Rock is obviously a very music-focused venue, and uh, my buddy Adam, who is the director of entertainment for the Hard Rock, called me up and said, I need a DJ for Freddie Mercury Day. I was like, Freddie, like, you want me to play <laughs> Queen? Okay. How long? It's a three-hour gig, oh, Jay. Jesus. Okay. Where is it? In the Hard Rock Cafe. The fucking burger joint in the middle of the <laughs> casino? Okay. Are you Freddie Mercury Day is apparently a big thing internationally for the Hard Rock International, right? Okay, yeah. So I went in and I'm on stage at the Hard Rock for Freddie Mercury Day and I have downloaded every Queen song that exists. There's one Queen song that DJs play, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's usually an edit. Couldn't do any of that. It had to be Queen. Oh, wow. Queen. So I'm playing. Okay. And everyone is looking at me like I'm a complete and total asshole because there's no marketing up. There's no things that went out that says it's Queen Day. There's just some fucking guy on stage with a DJ rig playing nothing but Queen. Next thing you know, I hear this like banging from the back. And I'm like, what? And he's banging on beat. And I'm like, hey, I heard a drummer? No, the line cook was a huge Queen fan and came out dressed as Freddie Mercury and started singing two tables while I was DJing (laughs) and then telling me what songs to play as if he was performing as a Freddie Mercury impersonator. And I'm texting Adam videos like, are you like, are you like, is there cameras? What's going on? And he's like, he's, he's literally FaceTiming me just like crying, laughing. And he was like, he was like, I'm so glad it was you because you would have called me up screaming if it was anyone else. But to this day, like, we still have a really good laugh. And listen, I got through it. So fucking <laughs> That's weird. That's hilarious. So you plan to come out and sing? Or just, like, happen? So apparently this is something that goes on in this place every Freddie Mercury day. But this was my first one. And they usually get some sort of band or something to do, like, a Queen tribute. But they wanted to save a little bit of money. Obviously, and bands are a little expensive. Yeah. And so, right. like, this line cook or whatever he was in the back of this burger and fry joint, <laughs> like, the Hard Rock Cafe, was... Like, like his mom came to watch him do the Freddie Mercury thing. <laughs> I have, I, I'll, I'll find the videos. I still have them somewhere. But like, that is hilarious. when I tell you a man uh. in an apron comes out with this must fake mustache on and a fucking Freddie Mercury hat with a, his own microphone, glittery microphone, and he's singing to these people eating like burgers and fries that have no idea it's fucking <laughs> what's Freddie going Mercury on. Day. Yeah, like oh he's gosh. in there just like doing the whole fucking thing. Like, and I'm sitting there like I'm texting at. Where it gets even funnier is there was two DJs from New York that I didn't know that were playing at Harris Pool that night. It was a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They came over because they saw I had checked into the Hard Rock earlier, and they came up and I'm DJing and this motherfucker's just going to town with the pot and then, and I was like, "Hey guys, uh, it's really nice to meet you." I don't normally do. This. Like, Are you just playing Queen? I was like, "Yeah." They're like, how long? I was like, "This is hour two. Like, I found clean mixes online. Like, it was wild. Yeah, Freddie Mercury wild. Day was by far the weirdest gig I have, I've ever, ever I'm done. I'm going to look up that date and go to avoid the hard rock. 
<laughs> no, you should Honestly, you should throw it. Like you should throw it at. You should throw. So like I I don't even I, I don't know if this is like a thing across the board. So I've done hard rocks all over the country. Like I don't know if this is a thing across the board, but uh, Freddie Mercury Day is big in Atlantic City, and like every yeah. time it comes up and I see something, Adam will like send me a screenshot like you. And again, I'm like no, no, like yeah, I've never told you no. <laughs> For anything, I've done everything for that guy. The weirdest events, the like the funniest events, I've done weird like charity walks and suicide walks where you're not allowed to play any songs that have like death implications right, in them, yeah, like crazy yeah. shit like that. I've done it all. But this Freddie Mercury Day was, it would have been fine if people knew what it was. But like literally, people are just in there eating lunch, wondering why Bohemian yeah, Rhapsody is playing on. Yeah, again. Was... And it's just, Queen has a ton of songs, but not a ton of songs that people know. So it was just like yeah. I didn't know. At one point, I was literally just on autoplay on Serato just letting it play yeah, right. like I didn't I don't even blame know what else to yeah. do like I, I'm not mixing these weird no. rock ballads together for people that don't care you know that yeah. was that was by far and I've done some weird shit my man but that was by <laughs> far the weirdest one yeah that is fun. That's, that's so funny <laughs> listen Jason thank you so much no, for guys, being on you. here you know being the first guest I, I appreciate it and listen if you yeah. guys want anyone else like guest wise just let me I mean definitely yeah got a lot yeah. of ties to Frank has way more ties than me but I got a couple you know yeah 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 there's yeah, some 100%. guys on my team there's some guys from out of town that you should probably talk to if you're looking to really like if this is DJ focused or business focused they're they're really great Um, even you know nightlife yeah just past, nightlife yeah, past the yeah. nightlife stuff like you know I think you should get some bartenders on here you should 100%. get some like some yeah. managers and some stuff like that and I'm happy to bring you know some of my people that you know, down the shore or whatever, the yeah, some operators, yeah. things like that to kind of give you a different perspective on certain things. So definitely you having great. Me. Yeah. No, thank you. And sure. Thank you guys for listening. We'll uh, have another episode out next week. Guest will be announced and hopefully this will be up tomorrow. You'll be at uh, Uban Friday, right? I'm at Uban Friday. I'm at Tradesman Thursday. Okay. Uban Friday, bankroll Saturday with thoughts. And then, um, we're doing a Wildwood takeover of Uban on Sunday. Some of my staff. Oh, that'd be awesome. Down there. Yeah. Um, my buddy Amir that I mentioned earlier is going to jump back behind the bar. And, um, we're going to throw a little party on Sunday because we're going to stop these Sundays real soon when the summer starts. Um, the last one is going to be at the end of April. It'll be a double down takeover. Me and Mike are going to be behind the bar. Cool. Oh, I got to see that. And yeah. I'm going to bring Bad in to DJ from New York. So we're going to do the whole thing. You know, we'll throw some money on the bar and have a good time. But yeah. uh, I am a decent DJ. I am a terrible fucking bartender. So <laughs> if you want a vodka soda, come see the kid. Come see him. Thanks right. guys. Awesome. Toodles. Yeah.